I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday today because you know why? It's Palm Sunday. And so we're going to read, um, and I'm going to talk about Jesus, our Passover lamb. That's what I've called this. And, and we're going to read some Bible today because I want you to understand what Palm Sunday is really all about. It's not about bringing in palm leaves and I don't know, I guess it is. You can do it if you want to, but that's not what it's about any more than Easter is about the Easter bunny or Christmas is about Santa. Palm Sunday has a deep, powerful meaning. So we're going to look at Matthew 21, starting at verse 1. We're going to put the verses right up there, and uh, we're going to jump through these 11 verses. And let's, let's look at the first Palm Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Notice how Jesus knew the future, even though it was short range. He knew it. Try that today. <laughs> Give it a try. So anyway, you're going to find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah, by the way, in chapter 9, verse 9. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them, not just on a donkey, but a donkey and the colt. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. This is why you call it the triumphal entry. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city, the whole city was moved, saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Thank you for your word, Lord, today. Help us to grasp the full meaning of this day. Walk out of here understanding what it means in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say, Hosanna to the son of David. Amen. Give him a hand. You can be seated. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Now, in our text, the, the crowds have gathered for the Passover feast. And it says there was a very great multitude. Actually, if you had been there, you would have seen hundreds of thousands of people coming into Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Um, historians tell us, now, this, I didn't know this, but this is what they tell us that 256,000 lambs were slain at one Passover and that each lamb represented at least 10 worshipers. Well, if you run the numbers like uh, the historian Josephus did, uh, it's estimated that over 2 million people were gathered together for the Passover feast. I want you to think about that. That's a lot of people, 2 million. The Passover had developed into sort of a carnival-type atmosphere, I want you to think, think the state fair on a Friday, school day. Uh, think Six Flags when school is out. Um, 
Think New Year's Eve in New York City. Think New Year's Eve in Times Square. And the chaos and the crowds and the pressing and the excitement. Um, that's what Passover had come to be. People traveled from hundreds of miles around to attend the Passover. So that was the chaotic scene as the people gathered together and Jesus came riding in on a donkey and the colt or the foal of a donkey. Now, what we call Palm Sunday is really all about the Passover. I want us to be thinking about because we call it Palm Sunday. Well, today's Palm Sunday, but what does that mean? Well, it has everything to do with the Passover feast and the Passover the very first Passover. And the first Passover was all about the night when centuries before, God had delivered his people through the blood of a slain lamb. So the Passover feast reached way back to that first Passover. And let's look at how it all began. Exodus 12, verse 1. Here's where God instituted the very first Passover. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, The Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month, Nisan, will be the first month of the year for you. So their first month in the Jewish calendar was Nisan. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day, now pay close attention to this, it's going to matter in just a little bit. On the 10th day of this month, the month Nisan, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice. One animal for each household. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat. Watch this with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the 14th day of this first month of Nisan. So you got the 10th of Nisan. You got the 14th of Nisan. Two huge Dates. If you don't know anything else about the Hebrew calendar, you need to know about Nisan and the 10th of Nisan and the 14th of Nisan. All right? He says, Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb on the 14th day of Nisan or their young goat at twilight. They're to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses on that night. I will pass through the land of Egypt, and I, God, will strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the entire land of Egypt. That's a dark, dark day. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. Now look at verse 13. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying, I want you to read this next part with me. When I see the blood, come on, everybody. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I, God, see the blood, I will pass over you. Your protection is the blood. Your deliverance is the blood. Not your good looks, not your charm, not your charisma, Not your pedigree, not your family, not uh, your financial status. No, no, none of those things. When I see the blood, 
I will pass over you. You won't be judged when I see the blood. You'll experience no harm when I see the blood. I will deliver you when I see the blood. Wow, wow, wow. Do you kind of sense where this is all going, what God is pointing to here? Now, this plague of death will not touch you. It won't touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then God said in verse 14, this is a day to remember each year. Now, God is instituting the Passover feast right here. This is a day to remember each year from generation to generation. You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. So there God instituted Passover. He said, I want you to do this annually. Annually, I want you to to have a feast and a festival that celebrates what I'm about to do. Now, it happened just like God told Moses. We know from reading Exodus that it happened just like God told Moses. The death angel moved throughout Egypt on the night of the 14th day of Nisan. On the 14th day, four days after they selected a lamb, God moved in judgment on the 14th day of Nisan, killing the firstborn of man and beast. But God's people were passed over when the angel saw the blood. Hebrews 11.28 speaks of this event among many places in the Bible. Let me just read it to you. By faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood on the doorposts so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. What, they, what Moses, by God's direction, told the people they did, they, they killed the lamb and they put the blood on the doorposts of their house. And that night, when night fell, The death angel was sent by God and began to move through Egypt. And you could hear the cries. The Bible tells us about it from the Egyptians as their firstborn of children and animals were killed. And and yet the children of Israel were not touched because when that awesome moment of judgment came, the angel saw the blood and the blood delivered them in a time of judgment. Now, Egypt represents the world. It always represents the world. And God's people here represent the church today. People of faith who put their faith not in a man, not in talent, not in ability, not in money, but in the blood to save them. Amen. So so the entire message of the Passover and Palm Sunday revolves around the blood of a slain lamb applied by faith in obedience to God to protect a person from judgment. I'm going to say that again. I want you to catch this now. The entire message of the Passover, what is Passover or or Palm Sunday all about? The Passover. And what's the Passover all about? It's about the blood of a slain lamb applied by faith in obedience to God to protect a person from judgment. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. Now, it's crucial to understanding your Bible that the Old Testament festivals and rituals like Passover are all types and shadows and pictures pointing to the coming of Christ. Yeah, that's all it is. All those festivals, there's seven of them, seven major festivals, and, and, and they were all given by God, not as a final destination or a final solution, but, but, to, but to serve as types and shadows and pictures of the real thing that was to come, and that was Jesus Christ. 
Listen to uh, Colossians. Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Now, notice what he says about festivals like Passover. Verse 17, Colossians 2. Such things are only a shadow. Everybody say shadow. So the Passover was only a shadow, let me continue reading, of what is to come. And they only have symbolic value. But the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed is Christ himself. So when they went out there and put the blood on the doorposts, that was a shadow of what was to come. Jesus spilling his blood for us and us by faith applying his blood to the doorpost of our heart. It was only a shadow. It was only a type. It was only a picture. It was God uh, drawing us, giving us an illustration of what was to come. Now think about shadows for a minute, because Passover is just a shadow. Day of Atonement was just a shadow. Go through all the feasts and festivals. They were only shadows and types. They weren't the real thing. They were pointing to the real thing that was to come. Shadows only give an idea of what something looks like without completely revealing the object that is causing the shadow. A shadow is evidence that something is casting it, or in this case, that someone is casting it. So who was casting the shadow of Passover, the shadow of the Day of Atonement, the shadow of all these festivals? Jesus Christ was casting the shadow. The real thing was Jesus Christ. Nobody looks at a shadow and believes it's the real thing. If you do, I want to talk to you after church. And Guess what? You don't hug a shadow. You don't talk to a shadow. You don't fellowship with a shadow. A shadow is only a, 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 a type of the real thing. It's not the real thing. It is only letting you know that the real thing is there, but it's not the real thing. Nobody sees the shadow of a tree or a car and thinks it's actually a tree or a car. Amen? Shadows have no substance. Shadows have no reality. They're only letting you know that something is there that is casting the shadow. And the the writer here is telling us that Jesus Christ was the the, the person casting the shadow of the Passover. That the, the Passover foreshadowed what Jesus would do for you and me. Colossians 2.17 tells us that Jesus is the substance of what the various Old Testament uh, festivals symbolize. And Hebrews 10.1 says he's the reality. He's the substance and he's the reality of what the shadows were telling us was there. Amen. So among the Jewish festivals, the seven festivals, the Passover feast foreshadowed the day when the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, would shed his blood for our sins and deliver us from judgment and from hell. Amen. Because as they sat there that night, what a night that must have been. What an awesome night. What a frightening night. What a, what a somber night as the Israelites were huddled in their homes and door was, uh, blood was on the doorposts of their houses. And the only thing that they could trust in was that blood because Moses, by God's direction, has said, put the blood on the doorposts of your house. And as they heard the cryings out of, of the Egyptians and, and they heard the wailing and they heard the weeping and they heard the tumult and they heard everything that was going on in Egypt on that awesome night when God sent judgment, 
What, what was their faith in? Their faith, their faith was only in what Moses told them to do. And what was that? Put blood on the doorposts of your house. Your, your faith, your confidence is in obedience to God regarding the blood. It's not in anything else. Amen. So where is our confidence today? It's not in anything but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence is today. Amen? He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, says God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So the big takeaway of the Passover is that Jesus was the fulfillment of what the Passover taught. And what did the Passover teach? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no protection from judgment. But in the blood, we have protection. In the blood, we have deliverance. In the blood, hallelujah, we have forgiveness. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. It wasn't in Moses. It wasn't in Aaron. It wasn't in, in, in any of that. It was in the blood. And God, God was teaching us a giant lesson all the way back in Exodus. Now, I want you to remember that God had told his people to select a lamb on the 10th day of Nisan. Everybody say the 10th day of Nisan. Our, our God is a God of timing. I want you to notice this, timing. He said, I don't want you to gather a lamb on the 9th or the 8th or the 11th or the, or the 16th. I want you to select a lamb on the 10th day of Nisan. That's my plan. And so on the 10th day of Nisan, uh, this, this, this yearly ritual, because remember, he said, I want you to do this every year. This yearly ritual came to be called Lamb Selection Day. The 10th of Nisan was Lamb Selection Day for the Hebrew people. So on the first Passover, on the 10th of Nisan, they selected the lamb. Four days later, judgment was coming, so they selected the lamb. They chose the lamb four days before judgment. And I could almost tell our culture right now, you better be about selecting the lamb. Because judgment is coming not far from now. And you need to quit worrying so much about your money and your status in society. Don't worry about all the things the, the world is worried about. What you need to be about is selecting not a lamb, but the lamb. Because judgment is coming and there's only one deliverance when that judgment comes. And it's the lamb. <laughs> lamb selection day. On the first Passover on the 10th of Nisan, they selected the lamb. And judgment fell four days later on the 14th day of Nisan. Now we know that from the time of the first Passover to the day that Jesus died on the cross was around 1,500 years. Catch that. That means there had been 1,500 lamb selection days. 1,500 times the Hebrew people had selected a lamb to celebrate the Passover on the 10th day of Nisan. And 1,500 times the Passover had been celebrated on the 14th day of Nisan. Now, one last important thing. The people had also been instructed by Moses, when you select that lamb on the 10th of Nisan, I want you to take four days to inspect that lamb. I want you to be sure there's no defects, no blemishes, no nothing. The lamb must be perfect. The, the lamb must be perfect. 
So you got four days to inspect that lamb. I want you to pick him on the 10th day of Nisan, and I'm giving you till the 14th day of Nisan to inspect that lamb. No blemishes, no faults, no defects. Now, what does all that have to do with Palm Sunday and us today? Church, Jesus rode in Jerusalem on the 10th day of Nisan on Lamb Selection Day. Yeah. Now, the Hebrew people were out selecting animal lambs, but God had selected his lamb. And his lamb rode into Jerusalem on the 10th day of Nisan. Ooh, that just gave me Holy Ghost bumps on top of my Holy Ghost bumps. Because see, God's a God of timing. God knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. And, and you know what we see? For four days, he was scrutinized. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Sanhedrin, and even the thief on the cross all proclaimed that he had done no wrong. Pilate told the Jews that wanted him dead, I find no fault in him. He's a perfect lamb. Yeah. Remember the thief on the cross rebuked the other thief saying, what are you talking about? He, he hadn't done anything wrong. This is a righteous man. Even the thief knew it. Pilate knew it. Herod knew it. They all knew it. That he was put into kangaroo court. He hadn't done anything wrong. False accusations put him there. They couldn't come up with anything. The Bible says they looked and looked for somebody with a legitimate accusation and they couldn't find anybody. So they had to make stuff up. And on the 14th day of Nisan, at 9 a.m. in the morning, as the animal Passover lambs were being brought into the temple to be slain, because they would bring them in at 9 in the morning, and the slaying of the lambs would begin, would commence. At 9 o'clock in the morning, our Savior was crucified. On the 14th day of Nisan, our perfect Passover lamb, Jesus, was nailed to a wooden cross. Timing. Perfect timing. And are you ready? At 3 p.m., as the last animal Passover lamb was killed by the high priest, because they quit at 3, they stopped at 3. At 3. Jesus gave up the ghost and said, into your hands I commit my spirit. It is finished. And the veil in the temple was ripped in half from top to bottom so nobody could say a man did it from bottom to top. It was ripped from top to bottom. God saying, the Old Testament rituals, the slaying of animal lambs, everything that Moses set into motion, the whole Mosaic covenant, the whole Mosaic sacrificial system is done. It's done. It's done. Because everything that the Mosaic sacrificial system pointed to has now been fulfilled. Has now been fulfilled. Because as when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and on the, the foal of a donkey, um, um, God's, God's plan that began before time began, 
God's plan that was announced first in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to send somebody, Satan, that's going to bruise your head. The plan of salvation reached its climax when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. And when he died on the cross, God's plan of redemption for you and for me, that our sins would be washed away forever and ever and ever, never to be remembered anymore, was fulfilled. Was fulfilled. What does that mean for us? That for 1,500 Passovers, 1,500 years, God was telling the human race, every time they sacrificed those lambs, every time they celebrated Passover, God was saying, he's coming. This is only the shadow. The one casting the shadow is coming. Ooh, he's coming. My son, the lamb of God for you, will one day shed his blood for your sins. That's why John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one that had been casting the shadow. Behold, the Lamb of God, the shadow caster. Behold, the Lamb of God, the one that all the festivals was about, the Lamb of God. He's here. He finally arrived in the fullness of time. On the 14th day of Nisan, he was crucified for you and for me. And there's no other way to get out of the, the, the coming judgment. Can I tell you the truth? That there is a judgment coming, an awesome judgment. God is going to judge the world. Egypt is only a, 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 a prototype. Uh, uh, it's only an example. It's only a microcosm of what is coming. And as God's judgment moved across Egypt, a picture of the world, and God's people were saved, a picture of the church, judgment is coming. And the only thing that will deliver you and me from that coming judgment is blood on the doorposts of our heart. And not just any blood, but the blood of the Lamb of God. Amen. Now let me ask you a question today. Has the blood of the Lamb been applied to your heart? There's no more important question than that. There's not another question I could ever ask you more crucial than that. Now, most of us here, yes, the blood has been applied to your heart. But do you see the picture? Do you see the shadow that pointed to the real thing coming? God was saying, nothing will deliver you but the blood. Nothing will save you but the blood. There is redemption and nothing else but the blood. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not hugging a tree, not being a good person, not your money, not your status, not your anything. Nothing will deliver you but the blood on the doorpost of your heart. That's it. So that when we face the Lord in eternity... He says, what right do I have to let you in? You say, because I was so wonderful. I was such a great neighbor. I gave money to the poor. Oh, everybody thought I was just the cat's meow. God, don't you know that? He'll say, no, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed because I'm looking for you to say one thing. Why should I let you in? The blood of your son. I accepted by faith, Jesus Christ dying for me on the cross. And when I did that, his blood was applied to the doorpost of my heart. And I was born again. I was saved. And at that, that very moment, I was delivered from hell and my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. Yes. 
Isn't that powerful? Can we stand together today? Amen, amen. I wish I could tell the entire world. I wish I, you know, not going to happen unless God did a miracle. But I would love to have ABC cameras here, CBS here, NBC here, MSNBC here, CNN here. And I would love to tell the world, judgment is coming. Oh, yes, I know it's coming. Judgment is coming. The Bible says there's going to be a great judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. And, and the, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, every, every nationality, every race, every person that ever lived and died and didn't accept Christ are going to be brought before the great white throne judgment. It says death and hell are going to spew up the dead that are in them. Death and Hades. And you're going to face God and the books are going to be open. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And, and, and one thing's going to matter. Do you have the attorney with you? The one and only attorney. The Lord Jesus Christ is your only attorney. He's the only attorney that will do you any good. He's called our advocate. And the advocate, if the advocate is standing next to you, they're covered in my blood. They're covered in my blood. They're covered in my blood. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But if you're not covered in the blood, he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. There's a judgment coming. And I want to tell the whole world that only the blood of the slain lamb accepted by faith is going to deliver you. Are you washed in the blood? I can't sing, but here goes anyway. In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Come on, everybody. Come on, Cindy, help me here. Uh, somebody, how's the rest of it go? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? It's spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the... Come on, everybody, let's sing it. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the... Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. <laughs> there are no lengths to which I will not go to get a message over. <laughs> Even grieving you with my non-singing voice. Amen. But that's the question of the hour. That's the question of the hour. Friend, you're at home. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I didn't ask you if you knew the Bible. A lot of people know the Bible and they're going straight to hell because they've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I didn't ask you if you were in church. Churches are full of people who are not saved. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is it on the doorposts of your heart? Have you been cleansed and forgiven? Have you come to Christ and said, Jesus, forgive me. I place my faith in your shed blood for me. You were my sacrifice. You were my substitute on the cross. I place my faith in that. If you haven't done that, you're not saved. 
judgment is coming. Wants to lift our hands, can we? Can we just say, Jesus, thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for dying for me on the 14th day of Nisan. Per the plan of God, I place my faith in you. You are my deliverance, my healer, my forgiver, my righteousness. Now with our heads bowed for a moment, let me ask quickly, if you're here today and you've never applied by faith the blood of the Lamb to your heart, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. So I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. If you can say, Jeff, I'm not sure that you need to be sure. You do need to be sure. Judgment is coming. Be sure. So pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me on that great day on the cross for my sins. I ask for your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Come into my heart. I place my faith in what you did for me on the cross. You're my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Now with our heads bowed, if you can say, I prayed that. Pastor Jeff, I prayed that. Lift your hands up. Lift your hand up high. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. 